0: Hey everybody, let me welcome you to our service today, man, whether you're here at Compassion in person, or you're worshiping with us today at Compassion Online, or whether you just came from Compassion Online to worshiping on one of our campuses, man, we want you to know we love you and we're so glad you're here. We've just been praying for you to get here and we're glad you finally did. Now this is a super exciting time to be a part of our church. You know, we've just started regathering after 196 days of sheltering in place because of the coronavirus. And each week, you know, we just keep getting better and better at dealing with the challenges of meeting in a safe, responsible, inspiring way. And so, man, let's just thank God for all of the serve teams that make it possible for us to gather on every campus today. Come on, y'all. Let's thank the Lord, shall we? Come on now. There we go. There we go. Love these guys who love to serve. Now, you probably noticed if you're at the Henderson campus that I'm not preaching in person today, and I want to tell you why that is. Uh, I just found out last week that I was exposed to somebody who is COVID positive, uh, and because I love you and because uh, I don't want to put anybody in a, in a bad spot, uh, I'm going into self-quarantine until it's clear that I cannot give the virus to anybody else. Now, friends, I am not afraid. And I do not have any symptoms of COVID. I am willing to kill a dragon right now. Feel good. But I do not want to do the irresponsible thing. And so I'm going to be in quarantine until it's safe for me to be back with you. Uh, So man, if you will pray for me and pray for my friend who does have COVID, uh, I would really appreciate that. Now, we're in the middle of a study that we're calling Heaven Bound. And over the last two weeks, we've been talking about heaven and hell and some of the surprises you know, that are in store for us in heaven. Now, last week, in response to those messages, I understand there were big crowds at Connecting Point on almost every campus asking about, man, what's my next step? Uh, I understand we had a number of people make a decision for Christ at our Midway campus, which is awesome. And can I just tell you, that is an answer to my prayers Friends, I've been praying with our prayer team before every service that God will use these messages to motivate all of us to make sure we have a reservation in heaven long before we die. And thank God, it looks like lots of people are moving in that direction every week. Now, you know, one of my favorite Billy Graham stories actually happened right here in South Georgia. Uh, he was preaching in some little town in South Georgia. It might have been where Bill McGee's daddy got saved. You know, one of our pastors, his dad got saved by Billy Graham. But anyway, Graham was in this little town and he meets his kid on the street. And he asked him for directions to the post office. And so the kid told him how to get to the post office. And then Dr. Graham said, why don't you come to such and such a church tonight where I'll be preaching? Wouldn't you like me to tell you how to get to heaven? And the kid said, why would I want you to tell me that? You don't even know how to get to the post office. (laughs) Now, friends, I'm telling you, knowing how to get to heaven is really important because Jesus blazed the trail for us. But if you don't respond... You won't go there. Friends, heaven is not automatic. Nobody else can make that reservation for you. You will not be admitted to heaven on the family plan or, you know, because your parents had something religious done to you when you were a little baby or because you think you're above average on some kind of a do-good scale. Friends, you have to ask Jesus for a personal reservation for heaven. Now, I say, you know, knowing how to get there is important because Jesus said you don't have to do anything to go to hell. You've already done that. I mean, if you are spiritually awake and morally aware, you should know that your sin has you on a direct course for that destination right now. Requires no change of course, no navigational adjustments. Your sin nature has you on autopilot for hell and you have been as long as you have been morally aware. But thank God, Jesus came to rescue us all. He came to die in our place for our sin on the cross so that you could change course and you could choose to go to heaven. But I'm telling you, man, you've got to do something different if you want to go there. And listen, this is news we can all use because, listen, heaven is not an exclusive destination. Everybody in the world is invited. But if you don't respond to Jesus, you will not have a reservation there you know in revelation 21:27 the best friend of jesus wrote nothing impure will ever enter heaven only those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life and friends you got to ask jesus to include your name in the lamb's book of life you know Ruthana Mesker is a professional singer who tells a story of being asked to sing at a really fancy wedding of a wealthy man in seattle now, according to the invitation, the reception was going to be on the top two floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower, you know, which is the tallest skyscraper in the Northwest. And man, she and her husband, Roy, were super excited about attending all of that. Man, at the reception, there were waiters in tuxedos offering luscious hors d'oeuvres and exotic beverages. I mean, the bride and the groom approached a beautiful glass and brass staircase that led up to the top floor. Somebody ceremoniously cut a satin ribbon draped across the bottom of the stairs. They announced the wedding feast is about to begin man the bride and groom ascended the stairs followed by all their guests and at the top of the stairs was a maitre d and he had a bound book and he greeted the guests outside the doors and said may I have your name please and she said well my name is Ruthanna Metzger and this is my husband Roy and so he searches through the m's and he says I'm not finding it would you spell it for me and Ruthanna spelled her name slowly and he searched the book again and then the maitre d looked up at her and said ma'am I'm sorry, but your name isn't here. And she said, Well, there must be some mistake. I'm the singer. I sang for this wedding. And the gentleman said, It doesn't matter who you are or what you did. If your name's not in this book, you cannot attend this banquet. And then he motioned for a waiter and said, Would you show these folks to the service elevator, please? And I mean, the messengers followed the waiter past beautifully decorated tables, you know, laden with shrimp and lobster and whole smoked salmon and magnificent carved ice sculptures. You know, as they were walking out, you know, there was an orchestra preparing to perform. The musicians were all dressed in, you know, these dazzling white tuxedos. And the waiter took Ruthanna and Roy to the service elevator and ushered them in and pushed G for the parking garage. And after locating their car and driving a few miles in silence, Roy finally put his hand on Ruth Ann's arm and said, Sweetheart, what happened? And she said, You know, when the invitation arrived, I was busy. I mean, I never bothered with the RSVP. I mean, besides, I'm the singer. I thought, surely I can go to the reception without having to return an RSVP. And then she began to weep, not only because she had missed the most lavish banquet she'd ever been invited to, but because she had just a small taste of what it will be like. Someday for people as they stand before Jesus. And he says, I don't know you. Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, friends, that would be heartbreaking for Jesus. I mean, the last thing in the world Jesus wants is for anybody to be worried and troubled about whether their name is written there or whether they go into heaven when they die. That's why Jesus said, trust me. Trust me to take you there. I mean, we talked about this last week. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. He doesn't want anybody troubled about this. You don't need to worry about this. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now listen, Jesus is a very humble guy, but he is really honest. And I want you to notice how many personal pronouns pop up in the next few verses. Just look at this. In my father's house, he says, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And listen, if I go there and I prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am and you know the place where I am going. And then Thomas, his buddy, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we even know the way? Listen to me now. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, friend, if you were troubled about your future finances, and somebody said, hey, just trust me with all of your money, I'll totally eliminate all your debt, I'll double your net worth in one year. Well, you'd be intrigued by that. But before you put your trust in him, you would do a lot of investigation. I mean, you'd want to know what about his credentials and what about his experience and what about his track record. And friends, I think the very same thing is true when you're trying to decide whether to trust Jesus with your future in eternity. I mean, why in the world would you trust Jesus alone to take you to heaven? Well, friends, I tell you, there are a lot of reasons why you should trust Jesus alone. Number one, you can trust Jesus because of his supernatural identity. Listen, Jesus was no ordinary man. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was God making an appearance on the earth. I mean, in verse 9 of this same chapter, Jesus said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, friends, that is either ludicrous or the most important sentence you've ever heard. I'm telling you, the New Testament teaches us about the divine identity of Jesus from the moment he is born. I mean, the whole Christmas story is about what? The Virgin Mary miraculously conceives a child by the Holy Spirit and then gives birth to a son and she names him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Dude, that is either extraordinarily presumptuous or amazingly important. Now you can trust Jesus because of his unmatched integrity. Man, can you believe how the politicians are attacking the integrity of their opponents in our country right now? And how those opponents are talk, attacking back, calling each other liars on the air, left and right. You know, this week, my heart is breaking because I heard of two of my friends in ministry who have lost their opportunity to lead because of integrity issues. But you know what? Nobody ever assailed the integrity of Jesus. <laughs> you know, in Hebrews four fifteen it says, he was tempted in every way just as we are and yet without sin. Friends, as a little boy, nobody ever could accuse him of sassing his mom or lying to his dad about where he'd been. He never cheated in synagogue school. And then as a grown man, he's the only one who ever kept all of the Ten Commandments perfectly. He's the only leader in history with a spotless record. He asked his uh, enemies one time, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And you know what? Nobody could. Now, if I ask you, hey, can any of y'all prove Cam Huxford guilty of sin? do people start lining up. And my wife and kids will be in the front of that line. And a lot of those accusations would be valid, especially if you've ever followed me while I was riding a motorcycle. But listen, Pontius Pilate, the Roman judge who examined Jesus in court, in John chapter 19 said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Friends, there's not another leader in the history of the world that you could say that about. And this makes Jesus unique, trustworthy, Number three, Jesus deserves your trust because of his amazing insight. Listen, nobody has ever matched the intellectual brilliance of Jesus. Man, the Jewish scholars were amazed at his intellect when he showed up at the temple and started teaching them at the age of 12. Luke, a doctor, writes about this in chapter 2 of his book. And then this is so uncommon for anybody who's kind of a child prodigy. As an adult, the common people were able to understand everything he said and they just loved listening to him. You know, in John chapter 7, there's a story about a time that the temple police were sent to go out and arrest Jesus. And they show up and there's a big crowd and they can't get through. And so they start listening to what he's got to say until they forgot their mission. They forgot to arrest him. And then their superiors demanded an explanation. And you know what the guard said? No one ever spoke the way this man speaks. And friends, 2,000 years later, his words still stimulate our thinking and shape our civilization and challenge our behavior. Let me tell you, a lot of people have a problem with the church. I've never met anybody who has a problem with Jesus. Number four, Jesus deserves your trust because of his miraculous power. Friends, Jesus could do stuff nobody else in history has ever been able to do. You know, in John 14, 11, Jesus said, Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least... Believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Friends, only Jesus could make diseased people well and deaf people hear and demons flee and the dead rise from the grave. I mean, every time. There's not a surgeon in the world that can do it every time. But Jesus did. You know, one politician told him, Jesus, we know that you are from God because nobody can do these miracles except God be with him. And that politician ended up becoming a follower of Jesus and a famous one. You know why? He put his trust in Jesus. Number five, Jesus is worthy of your trust because of his sacrificial death. You know, when Jesus was on earth, his teaching was so powerful and it was so revolutionary that he threatened the power structures of his day. And those threatened leaders started looking for a way to crucify him. And friends, Jesus allowed that to happen. He said in John chapter 10, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, the son of man, You know which is a phrase, he used this phrase because it refers to the Messiah, that the Jewish people were promised all the way back in Genesis chapter three. He says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and listen to all to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to ransom us with his own blood. Friends, his life was not taken from him, Jesus didn't die you know, a victim of injustice. Jesus deliberately laid his life down as an atoning substitute for our sins. Listen, imagine you're three months behind on your house payment, right? And the banker calls and says, well, you've got to come see me. We've got to have an appointment. And so you go to his office and you sit down and dude, you're scared to death. You expect that man's going to evict you any minute. You're helpless. You cannot pay this debt. Uh, you're just scared. You're about to be homeless with your whole family. And then the banker says, I got great news. You have a generous relative who has sent us a check and paid off your entire house. Dude, your house is debt free. Here's the deed. Congratulations. But you would walk out of that place thrilled, blessed, grateful forever. Well, friends, the New Testament teaches us that we have a huge debt of sin that we cannot pay. And we are subject to eviction from God's house in heaven, but then Jesus came and paid off our entire debt for us by dying this atoning death on the cross in our place. You know, Paul wrote about this. Paul was a hater who ended up being just miraculously transformed by Jesus. And here's what he writes about Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, you ought to trust Jesus to take you to heaven because he sacrificed his life for you. And nobody ever loved you like that. Nobody in the world loves you like that. Number six, you can trust Jesus because of his predicted resurrection. You know, Jesus predicted that he would do something that has never been done in the history of the world before. In Mark chapter 8, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he will be killed and after three days he will rise again. And nobody believed it. Nobody expected it. But he did exactly what he said he would do. In Luke chapter 24, it describes it like this On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and then on the third day raised again? And man, they remembered his words and they raced back to Jerusalem rejoicing. Now friends, any man who can predict his own death and resurrection and pull that off as a historical fact, I'm with him. But you can trust him. You can trust that guy. And then number seven, Jesus is worthy of our trust because of his present position. Now, Paul said in Romans chapter eight, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. And what's he doing there? He is interceding for us. Man, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is in heaven and he's like our defense attorney, man. He is praying and advocating with the Father for people like you and me. And friend, when you die, before you get to heaven, you're going to stand before the judge of the universe. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you will never have to stand there alone. Man, you'll be standing beside somebody with big-time influence with that judge, and he's going to be on your side. He's going to be vouching for you. He's the one who says to you, do not let your heart be troubled. You don't have to worry about this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Have you ever wondered what it's going to be like on that day? The day when you die and you go to heaven. Hey, imagine what Harrison Huxford is going to look like when he is 92 years old. 92, you know, 55 years from now, right? Probably has less hair than he has now, if that's possible. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And I imagine, you know, that he'll log some time in those rocking chairs by the lake at the Compassion Christian Retirement Village where, you know, he and Lindsay will no doubt retire one day. And I'm sure the scientists will have learned how to kill all the sand gnats by then. And so on some perfect fall day, he'll be on the front porch, you know, rocking with his friends, talking and laughing. And then suddenly he'll stop talking and maybe grab at his chest. He'll grab a breath and then grab the arms of that chair and and then relax and then become very still. And his friends will panic. Somebody will call for a doctor. There'll be a flurry of movement, tears, loud calls. By the time the ambulance arrives, it's too late. It'll be obvious that Harrison is gone. That's what his friends will think. Pastor Harrison is gone, and they'll be very sad. But that's not what Harrison will think. <laughs> Harrison will suddenly find himself awake and alert in another place. Maybe on his hands and knees, looking at grass. that somehow seems greener than he's ever seen, remember, seen in it before. And he'll straighten up on his knees and notice that cobalt blue sky and the light is more refreshingly bright and the air is crisper and cleaner than than it ever was in Savannah. And he'll jump to his feet and, and be surprised by that because he hadn't jumped anywhere for a long time. And he'll look around and hear this babbling brook and take a few strong strides in that direction before it occurs to him that he hasn't felt this kind of balance He hasn't felt this kind of strength in decades. He can't remember the last time he just strode off walking anywhere without a cane, uh, without the pain. But he ain't feeling any pain now. When he gets to that brook, he'll kneel down and cup some of that cool, clear, fresh water in his hand and drink some. And it'll be sweeter than that water at Flathead Lake in Montana where he used to vacation when he was a kid. He'll look down and see his reflection in that water and realize he looks strangely different. He looks exactly like himself except stronger, younger, wilder, somehow different. And then he'll look off to the left, and he'll see a city radiant on the horizon, and it'll captivate him. you know. And he'll just feel drawn to that place, and so he'll just strike out in that direction. And after a few hundred yards of that Huxford swagger that we all know and love, he'll think, you know, I think I could pick the pace up a little bit and start jogging and start laughing because it feels so good. he realized realize, yeah, my body has been unstiffened, right? Uh, I mean, amazing, at my age, I, I don't feel stiff. I don't feel weak in any way. And so he'll start to r- run, and then he'll pick it up a little bit. And he might think, man, you know, if I was to push it, I think I could get to that city before sundown, not realizing that there is no sundown there. I, I mean, there are beautiful sunrises and there are beautiful sunsets, but there's no sundown. Because in that place, there's a source of light that's far greater than the sun or the moon or the stars. But he doesn't know that yet. So he just breaks into a run. And then he runs a little faster and a little faster. And before you know it, this old man is charging hard. But he doesn't get tired. And he doesn't run out of breath. And the harder he runs, the stronger he feels. And so he just runs and runs and laughs and runs until finally the city just begins to, to loom in front of him. Enormous, golden city. Walls of the city seem to stretch from horizon to horizon. And there are three huge portals on the side that he can see. You know, one on each side and one in the middle. And he just stops and tries to take it all in. I mean, this thing is so staggeringly big. And he just decides, you know what? I'm going through the middle of the middle gate, walking in the front door. And when he gets close, he hears a sound. And it sounds like thunder. But then he realizes what it is. It's laughter. It's that deep pure holy strong laughter i mean the kind of laughter you hear when good people who love each other get together and talk about good times that they remember or when they tease each other about good times they're having right now and he'll start looking around for a familiar face and then he'll finally see one there's somebody walking right toward him with arms open wide you know who it is it's me who'd you think it's gonna be Dude, I'm meeting every member of Compassion Christian the day you arrive in heaven, all right? Look for me. I'll be looking for you, all right? I'm going to greet him. I'm going to give him a big hug. He's going to look over my shoulder and probably say, this is heaven, right? And I'm going to say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, bro. This is heaven. Welcome home, pal. And then we'll just look around for a minute, take it all in, and I'll say, brother, let me show you around, and off we'll go. We'll walk down a busy, outrageously joyful boulevard and I'll point out some of the sights. Harrison will see this huge, dark-skinned man talking to a bunch of guys who look like brainiacs, engineers, architects. Dad, Who's that? That's Moses. Moses? Yeah, that's Moses, man. Yeah, every time a new bunch of engineers and architects show up here, they just want to know, how'd you build the pyramids? How did you construct it? How'd the Red Sea work? And Moses acts like he's started answering those questions, but he loves it, man. He loves it when those guys are asking those questions. And then we'll walk by, and there'll be a big bagel shop over here. You can smell the garlic. It'll be awesome. And he'll say, dude, what's the big crowd crowd about over there? And I was like, wait, that's where the Apostle Paul eats breakfast every morning. And, you know, there's a bunch of folks in there, some of them. were your seminary professors, you know, they've got some point they want to argue with him about. And he loves to argue, man. He'll be there all day long. And then we'll walk by an alley look down that alley. And there's a, a beautiful glade out there. And this fierce, fun-looking guy teaching a bunch of little kids how to shoot arrows. And, and Harrison would say, Who is that? And I'll say, Well, that's David, man. You know, David lost a baby when he was on earth. And so he meets all of the aborted babies who show up here because nobody loved him on earth. And he just adopts them all. And he plays with them and he teaches them how to wrestle and shoot a sling and a- arrows teaches them how to play musical instruments, how to write songs, how to sing. Got a whole team of people, you know, who have a heart for kids that work with him every day. They just love those kids. They give them the love and the life in heaven that they were denied on earth because somebody aborted them. They might have been unwanted on earth, but not here. And we'll walk on that street and see famous people. Famous people from the Bible. Famous Christian people from history. Old friends will run up and hug him and bless him. People who are in heaven because he shared the gospel with them, a compassionate Christian. Strangers will run up to him. Were you at Compassion back in the early 2000s? Yes, I was. Well, I was in India, and your church sent a team to speak at a youth conference, and you were one of the speakers at that conference, right? And he'll say, I sure was. And you are like, dude, that's where I gave my life to Christ. Your church sending you is why I am here today. And I'm going to kiss him on the cheek, lock eyes with him, smile, and I'll say, Let him go, man. We got somewhere to go. We got somewhere we got to be. And at that point, Harrison will realize that we're not just sashaying through heaven here, we're on the way somewhere. He's got an appointment with somebody important. And then we'll turn a corner, enter in a huge door. Look down this beautiful column walk to a garden. And, and there you'll be. And he'll stand up and turn to face us. And something will happen to her. He'll look into the face of a man that seems old and young at the same moment. He'll look into eyes that are penetrating and playful at the same moment. And he'll realize that looking in those eyes is like looking in the sun. You can't do it for long. And so he'll look down and then he'll see the only man-made things in heaven. The scars on that man's hands and on his feet. The scars on the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus. And then that shock of recognition will strike him. That awareness that he is in the presence of the Lord will hit him and then he will do what everybody does. When they realize that in the presence of christ he'll just fall to his knees and he'll be saying my lord oh jesus my lord my lord and you know at this point (laughs) you just see jesus just grabbing him and picking him up and hugging him i mean like a father hugs a son or daughter in whom they delight like the father of the prodigal son hugged his son when he finally came home, except this time. It would be like the father who is really, really proud of a really faithful son who returns home victorious from some dangerous, important mission. And then I can just imagine him saying something like, Harrison, well done. Well done, man. I mean, can you imagine that? The Lord Jesus calling you by name like you were a friend and then saying, well done. You were faithful to me. And your faithfulness was consistent through the good times and the bad. You were open about your love for me. Dude, you took your Bible to football camp. You were unashamed of our relationship. You sacrificed for me. You gave time, money, stuff. You loved Lindsay for me. You loved your kids for me. You gave your best just like I did for you. Well done. Well done. Welcome home. And after a while, that appointment will end. And Harris and I will walk off together in search of where his mother is cooking. Not much conversation. It'll be an awesome moment. It'll be one of those moments when you realize that at some point in the past, you made a decision that was far, far wiser than you actually realized when you made it. And that your life, which was so good in so many ways, is now going to be so much better. It'll be an awesome moment and an awesome place. And friends, that won't be the end of the story. That won't be the beginning of the end. It might be the end of the beginning. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and this is your last day, Do not be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in him. Because you know you will wake up tomorrow in a place that will be better because you trusted God. You trusted Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, do you really want to deny yourself the eternal life in heaven that Jesus has paid for already, that he alone can give, surely not so what's your next step let me just make it as simple as A-B-C admit you have a sin problem and you need a savior friends listen you'll never want to be found until you admit you're lost and you know the bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God you know what the word all means it means all me you Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, your chance of making it into heaven on your own goodness is about as good a chance as you swimming from California to Hawaii in your own strength. Let me tell you what that means. No chance. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Admit that. Humble yourself. Admit that you have a sin problem. You need forgiveness. Jesus is the only one who can forgive you. And then, B, Believe in Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You know, that politician I told you a minute ago who was converted to Christ, listen to what Jesus told him. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, belief means more than just mental assent. Uh, You know, just, just believing that Jesus was God's son. I mean, anybody ought to know that. Belief means putting your faith in his death on the cross in your place, trusting him for eternal life rather than anything you could do. And so A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe in Jesus as your savior. And then C, confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Just say it. Say it out loud. I want Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of my life. Tell somebody. Romans ten nine says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Listen, man, Jesus went public on a cross out of love for you. And if you love what he did for you, it's time for you to go to public as well. Time for you to go public. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And the first way you do that is to demonstrate. You know, ABCD, demonstrate your commitment to Jesus by repenting of your sin and being baptized into Christ. Now, Paul tried to explain the importance of this to us in Romans chapter 6. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We touched that death on the cross there. And, And we, therefore, were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we, too, might live a new life. And if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Jesus. And he will take you to heaven. Now before we stop here today, I want to I share with you a couple questions that will help embed this message in your heart. And if you're online, just ask the person you're sitting with right now. And if you're at you know, one of our campuses, man, uh, talk about this in the car on the way home. When did you put your trust in Jesus to take you to heaven? When did you do it? because if you can't remember you haven't done it yet you wouldn't forget that when did you put your trust in jesus to take you to heaven and will you tell us that story friends this is your testimony your testimony of how jesus saved you when did you put your trust in christ and tell us that story and here's the second question i hope you'll ask and answer if you haven't given your life to jesus yet where are you hung up i mean is it about admitting that you need a savior you don't think you're a sinner let's talk about that is it in believing in jesus you don't think he's the son of god you don't think what the bible says about him is true let's talk about that are are you afraid to confess are you too shy are you too afraid are you too proud uh have you not demonstrated your faith in jesus yet have you not been baptized into christ how can i help how can i help you with this friends we have people in the chat right now all you have to do is just type in there i want to go to heaven. I want Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of my life. Help me. I mean, we've got people who will be right down front at every one of our campuses as soon as this service is over to, to pray with you, to help you. We have folks standing at Connecting Point right now on every one of our campuses to talk with you, to answer your questions. Pr- bring the hardest question you got. Let's talk about it. Growth track starts first of every month. Opportunity to ask any question you want to ask. Hardest question you can come up with. Love to talk with you about it friends you do not have a reservation for heaven if you have not asked Jesus for it and I want to encourage you to ask him today father thank you thank you for sending Jesus nobody like Jesus there never has been never will be there's nobody else that's ever been on this planet like Jesus and yet he came here out of love for us And I just pray in Jesus' name that his love will break through to hundreds of people who are with us today. I pray, God, that there will be baptisms all over creation today and tomorrow, Lord, because of what you're going to do in the lives of people, that friends will be baptizing each other in swimming pools, Lord, and they'll be dragging their friends up here to church. And, and Father, it'll be every day as wise people trust in you and trust in Jesus. And, Father, we know you'll be celebrating And we will, too, as people commit their lives to Christ, the only way to heaven. And we pray, God, that you'll do this for your glory and for their good, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.